You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to another edition of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. Alongside of me, as always, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been? Uh, it could be better, Garrett, after uh, what happened last evening. But, hey, stuff happens. Well, yeah, that's the briefest way of putting it, Robbie. Stuff does happen. Unfortunately, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they are officially eliminated from Playoff contention, losing to division rival New York Islanders in six games. Robbie, by the time this podcast comes out and by the time the listeners get a hold of this, uh, there isn't too much more to deliberate in terms of uh, analyzing the the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of this series. I think it's it's pretty obvious at this point what the Penguins' biggest downfall was. That was most certainly in net with the inexperience of goaltender Tristan Jari. Nevertheless, uh, we will uh, move forward with this recap segment here. And uh, for games three through six, because uh, by this point, if you're listening to this podcast, these are, these games are well in the past. Uh, we won't spend too much time on the recap segment here. I thought we would just give our thoughts on the remaining games that the Penguins played against the Islanders. And then we'll move forward to the main segment. Robbie, like I mentioned, the biggest downfall here, the biggest question mark was what kind of goaltender were the Penguins going to get with Tristan Jari? And uh, after game three, the Penguins go up two to one in the series. And I'm thinking, okay, well, th- this is pretty good. This is pretty good. I like two to one in the series. They're still on uh, on the track to maybe finish in five or six games. Uh, you and I both predicted the Penguins in six. We did not think it would be the Islanders in six, but uh, there are a lot of things we can analyze and perhaps even overanalyze about games uh, three through six. But, Robbie, wh- when you look at Tristan Jari's numbers, uh, he had an 867 save percentage in, uh, in game three in game four, he had an 846 save percentage in game five. It was an 893 save percentage. And in the final game, game six, the elimination game for the penguins, he finishes making 19 saves on 24 shots with a 792 save percentage. And Robbie, I'm sure you were plugged in 
into the Penguins' Twitter, as was I throughout the last couple of games here. And uh, many fans were quick to notice how reminiscent this series was for a Penguins netminder. And when comparing that to some of the previous playoff series in years past, going back to the uh, the dreadful Marc-Andre Fleury years of 2012, 2013, 2014, uh Many were quick to invoke some of those painful memories as we live through yet another playoff uh, of a playoff year where the Penguins don't go very far. Uh, this is the third straight year where they have exited in the first round of the playoffs, losing to the Islanders, getting swept in 2018, losing to the Canadians last year, and once again losing to the Islanders this year. With the Penguins losing three straight first round series, many questions are going to be asked. And there is certainly going to be a lot of time to spend as the Penguins head into their summer months here, uh, kind of trying to figure out where they go from here because the core of Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, and, and Sidney Crosby is one year older. And in the case of Letang and Malkin, they are up for contract extensions as early as this summer with new general manager uh, Ron Hextall and president of Hockey Ops. Brian Burke set to make some pretty interesting decisions, but Robbie, uh, I'll hand the microphone over to you. I've basically said my piece with the Penguins and their goaltending situation at this point. I'll hand the mic over to you and you can give your thoughts on what you saw from the Penguins and Islanders over these last couple of games that led to the Penguins elimination from the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think one of the major points to take away from this and you mentioned it as well uh, especially looking back over the years is to differentiate differentiate this loss from um, especially 2019 to the Islanders and last year in the um, bubble the short time they're in the bubble uh, compared to 2012 2013 where the Penguins a, a goaltending let them down especially in 2012 in that series against uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. The Penguins were a very, very good team that year. Uh, they very well could have made a run of the Cup that year if they had just gotten competent goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury. And that's the same thing that can be said this year with Tristan Jari. The Penguins were, outside of maybe Game 4, they were pretty much clearly the better team in this series. And it all comes down to, uh, you can look at the leads blown, the just not being able to hang on to the third period leads. And you can say stuff that 2016, when they had those leads, they just turned teams basically into rubble. But again, Matt Murray was really good that year. And Tristan Jari just was not good. It's That's as simple as it is. Tristan Jari was not good enough. There's always things that you can look at. And it's not just solely on Tristan Jari, but 85 to 90% of this loss is on Tristan Jari because they just needed saves. And, the Islanders got that from especially um, Ilya Sorokin when he took over in goal, uh, and a little bit from Varlamov as well. Even in the even in the games they lost, I mean Varlamov kept them in that game too that the Penguins won. Uh, now game three is that's when Barry Trotz decided to make the decision to go to Sorokin, and it paid off in a, obviously a huge way. But the Penguin, all they needed was Tristan Jari to make a few saves here and there. And it's a completely different series. And we're talking about maybe the Penguins being done with this series, a victory in five games. And they're already rested up, ready for Boston. But that's not the world we live in because Tristan Jari just could not make that save. And 
he had me fold. I really thought that he was going to be good enough to be the guy, the, the Penguins guy in goal. And he's not a young, he's not, I mean, Matt Murray came in at like 22, 23 and was one in Stanley Cups. And, but there's just something with Tristan Jari and you could see the confidence was gone uh, last night. If the confidence was ever there, even after game one, he did rebound pretty well in game two, but it just felt like you never felt confident with him in goal. You just never felt like that big, big save, that series defining save was coming from Tristan Jari and it never did. And you look back even as early as game one, glove side, glove side, glove side, everything's going glove side, short side, a game they should have won. They should have won the game one. Game two, they did win. Um, and you can't really blame them for the goal in that game. It was just a great goal by Josh Bailey. Uh, they did hold on to win. He made some. He did make some good saves in that one to bring it even. But even game three where they won, he wasn't super sharp. He wasn't at his best. But they still found a way to win. And that's what the Penguins have done so often this year, uh, almost in spite of him. But it just – and then game game four – it was just the Islanders rallying around the crowd. I mean, Jari, hey, maybe you get a save here or there. But that just, to me, I even texted a friend this, that that felt like a game where the Penguins either scored first or they didn't score at all. It just felt like once the Islanders got a lead, if they got that, and they did, got that first lead, that game, it maybe the Penguins score late, which they did. But they once the Islanders got that lead, that game was going to be over. So going back then to game five, and that's the one that really sticks out, and the Penguins should have won that game. There's... You can't. That, that's the story of goaltending. It was Sorokin being out of his mind and Jari just not being good enough. And we're going to look back. You can highlight the overtime goal, the baffling decision when you had two or three better options. And literally, just he, the better option would have been literally just flinging the puck over the glass almost. He had an outlet to Matheson, he had an outlet to Malkin. And for some reason, he passed it right up the middle of Josh Bailey. To, to Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey didn't have to do anything, and then he didn't get back in goal, and the game's over, and it's 3-2 going back to the island. And then we saw in game four, the Penguins had those leads, and they just couldn't get a timely save. And that, that's really the story of the series right there. I mean, the, you can just look at those games. You can look at the numbers. All you have to do to tell the story of the series is, one, look at the, look at the box score for the goalies, especially between Jari and Sorokin. That's all you need. And it's a shame because this is a really good team. And I think differentiating between what happened this year as compared, this was not a repeat of 2019 or 2020. This is a very 2012, 2013 situation for the Pens where they're good enough to compete for a Stanley cup, but goaltending is the ultimate equalizer. And it was then and it is now. And it's just unfortunate that we're sitting here having this story during Crosby and Malkin's, um, time again that it comes down to the goaltending and really if you look over penguins history it's kind of a theme in different years as well even going back to the lemieux yager years before i go any further i just want to give credit to Elias sorokin uh so far through the playoffs this year he has a 4-0 record with a 1.95 goals against and a 943 save percentage. Uh, now, will his fire be extinguished in round two against the Bruins? That obviously remains to be seen. But you and I both sat here uh, two weeks ago, I think, when we were previewing this series. I felt so confident at the time. I even said that this is the most confident I have felt about a Penguins team since the championship window of 2016-17. I 
was that confident because this lineup was so deep. They finally have, they finally captured once again, a really well-balanced team in terms of their forward depth. Their defense wasn't entirely in shambles. Uh, even, you know, if you want to question the play of Mike Matheson from here or there, or, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Pedersen for having an up and down season. He was often the scapegoat in the regular season. But if the Penguins just get that league average goaltending, this series is probably over. I don't think it goes to seven games. And I think the Penguins win because I agree with you and uh, everyone else to this point. The Penguins very much played the better hockey between the two clubs over the course of the six games that they played. And it's unfortunate that they were done in by the, the play of Tristan Jari. And it's going to be one of the things as we move into the main segment here, uh, because the Penguins lost again, three straight first round exits, uh, the, the, we're, we're definitely in the declining stage uh, of the Crosby Malkin era. Uh, Malkin, I believe will be 35 and, and Crosby 34. It's commonplace for Pittsburgh sports fans and maybe more uh, particularly Penguins fans, to overreact in, in certain cases like this when you very much anticipate that Crosby and Malkin will carry this team. And I don't think anyone really expected the kind of performance that, that, they, would, that they would have gotten from Tristan Jari. But it's commonplace after the Penguins get eliminated from, post-se- from postseason play that uh, with how old that the core is uh, being in their mid to late thirties, as we approach that time here, that everyone is so quick to say, let's blow everything up and let's get younger. Many fans believe that it's time to blow everything up. And I want to get your thoughts because I am not of the mindset that it's time to blow everything up. I don't think that Evgeny Malkin should be traded. I don't think that Chris Letang should be traded because any trade that you make involving Malkin or Latang, the team is going to get worse. Uh, even with Latang's mental errors here and there, and Malkin's mental errors with how emotional he gets from time to time, he may take the stupid penalty. You're not going to get better in the short term, in the short term, or perhaps the long term, when making a trade involving uh, Malkin or Latang. And I'd like to say. If you were going to make a trade involving Latang or Malkin, it probably should have been done five or six years ago when you could argue with how you, when they were younger, their value may have been even higher in terms of fetching a return. Now, Malkin is coming off an injured season. Latang, although he played some of the best hockey, I believe, in his career this season, uh, what, what kind of return are you going to get for a, a defenseman who is 33, 34, Malkin who would be 34, 35 years old? I don't think Penguins fans, some of them realize the kind of return that they're anticipating or expecting when they're playing armchair general manager when looking at what Malkin and Latang might fetch you at this point in their careers. And I'm going off on a tangent here. This is a long story short in me saying that it's not time to blow everything up. The Penguins, as they're currently constructed, if they bring the majority of that roster back next season and they get a competent goaltender, whether that is Tristan Jari having a rebound season, which I personally don't think will happen, I expect the Penguins to probably go out and explore their options in terms of the free agent market. How they make that work remains to be seen. But if they bring largely the same core of players back into next season, they have as good a chance as they did this season as they will next season. Crosby and Malkin and Latang are not washed to the point where you have to look at this team and say, okay, it really is time to blow everything up here 
and, and move on to the next era of Penguins hockey. So, Robbie, I'll hand it over to you now. How extreme do you think the Penguins should get in terms of making player personnel decision? And a thing that we haven't even talked about, is Mike Sullivan's seat hot as head coach? Is his time potentially up? Or his assistant coaches, uh, like goaltending coach Mike Buckley or Volucci, uh, how extreme do you think this new regime of Ron Hextall and Brian Burke will get heading into their first offseason in charge of the team? There's a Yeah, there's a lot of areas to break down here. And I think first off, and I agree with your point, that if you're serious about making a run in a cup, like very serious, then Malkin and Latang are on your team next year, and there's no question about it. Because if you look at what they did – it's a very good hockey team. They're deep, they're experienced, and it all came down to the goaltender. There's no other way to explain that series than the goaltending. Malkin was not 100%, uh, but he still played his played his butt off. But there's no reason this is not a 2019 or even like a 2014-2015 situation where nuking the roster is going to make them a cup contender. They're a cup contender with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang on the roster, point blank. This isn't about the future. This isn't about post-Crosby, post-Malkin. This is about winning a cup while they still can. And talking about trading Malkin and Letang has been a rumor or a talking point for what feels like a decade now. And it hasn't happened, and I don't believe even with the new regime it's going to happen because at the end of the day, the final say is going to come down to 66 up in uh, up in the owner's booth because a trade like that is going to have to be signed off by, uh, by Mario because, again, you go back to his regrets about Yager leaving Pittsburgh and how that all went down, but you're just not going to see that trade be signed off on without Lemieux's stamp of approval. So I don't think he's going to give that stamp of approval because he wants another cup in Pittsburgh and Lemieux's smart enough to know that he can win a cup with those guys on the roster. Simple as that. So what they need to do is focus on fixing the goaltending situation. And there's going to be contracts moved. There's going to be some trades made. It's not going to be the same exact team. You're going to go shopping, uh, a little bit. I mean, you don't know what you, what some of these um, contracts that you can maybe move. Maybe you look at moving a, a Mike Matheson. Yeah, great skater, great offense. But at that price, for that length, not sure it's worth it. When you can find probably a, a, an option that's just as good somewhere out there. Marcus Pedersen, yeah, he's the whipping boy. But again, can you get that same production for half the cost? And then you know you're automatically losing somebody in the expansion draft, so you got to decide who to protect, who to who to expose, and uh, who get the kind of player options, who gets, who might be uh, on their way out that way. So there's going to be there's going to be some some roster changes. I just don't think those roster changes one involve any of 87, 71, or 58. The most important roster change is figuring out the goaltending situation. And then just plugging holes or moving some contracts to open up some some cap space and maybe bringing in some cheap free agents that can do the job of these guys that are leaving for uh, 
half the cost or a third of the cost uh, just to give yourself some flexibility. So blow it up, disagree. Fire Mike Sullivan, hard, hard disagree on that one. I believe it comes down to fixing the goaltending and just kind of sorting out some contracts and uh, moving some bodies just to kind of give yourself some flexibility. I agree with you, Robbie. And uh, more specifically, when you bring up Marcus Pedersen and, and Mike Matheson, you could make an argument that both of those defensemen are at best third-pairing defensemen. And when you look at how the, the cap space is distributed, uh, with Pedersen making over $4 million and Matheson making well over $4 million, I think it's like $4.6 or $4.8 million. Like you said, I agree with you. Can you get that production from from other defensemen around the league at a half or a third of the cost? And I believe you can. Uh, you know, devoting that kind of cap space to arguably a third pair defenseman in Pedersen and Matheson when when I agree with you, all you really have to do is tinker a little bit, maybe on the outside of the team in terms of the depth in your bottom six. Uh, you know, spend if if you can ship one or both of those contracts out, that would be great because it gives you more of that cap flexibility to maybe explore other options specifically in net. If Tristan Jari is not going to be your guy next year, Penguins fans have to remember that PO Joseph is still on his entry level contract. He's making a little less than 1 million per season. He will very likely, I have to imagine he will be a regular in this lineup next year. So yeah, Robbie, uh, looking at player personnel wise, a little bit of tinkering here and there, uh, maybe shedding a contract or two or three. We'll see how uh, Hextall and Burke finagle the salary cap with it being another year of a, of a flat salary cap. So we'll see how they will finagle the cap uh, in, the, in the coming weeks and months. It's definitely going to be something that we're going to be keeping an eye on over at Pensburg.com. So stay with us as the offseason gets underway. But, uh, Robbie, we have... 11 questions for the mailbag segment this week. So that's what we're going to dive into right now uh, for the final episode of the Pensburg podcast for this season. 11 questions from 11 eager listeners waiting to get some sort of closure on the 2021 season. So Robbie, like we always do, we will start with you. Question number one comes from Colt Delvecchio and he asks this. What was Tristan Jari thinking on that play? And that play being the double overtime game six snafu uh, that led to the Islanders winning that game. He goes, what was he thinking? Wrong answers only. Maybe he just doesn't like Pittsburgh and is trying to work his way out. Maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe he just had a bad experience at, at somewhere in Pittsburgh and he just didn't like the city. So he's trying to get out, maybe get into somewhere he'd be more comfortable, but uh, what was he? I gosh, I the one and double overtime is still baffling to me just because it's just there's like four better options and you chose just the, the worst, worst one, the worst <laughs> possible option. Game six, he was just so broken mentally that it didn't really matter. Uh, game six, he was it just wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna work. Uh, it just you could see it, just the confidence was zapped out of him, especially when they. It's got that second goal, and it's really a shame that Casey Smith is hurt because maybe that changes this uh, series a little bit. But yeah, it just it was he was done. It was over. Uh, question number two comes from Commander Kern: Is Jeff Carter the Penguins' greatest ever trade deadline acquisition? 
So uh, Commander Kern and I were chatting on Twitter during one of the games, and he asked me this question, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to take a look back into Penguins history and looking back at some of their trade deadline days. And uh, I have to think, going back to 2000, 2008 and 2009 are the first ones that come to mind. Uh, Marion Hossa and Pascal Dupuis from the Atlanta Thrashers for Colby Armstrong, Eric Christensen, Angelo Esposito, and Pittsburgh's first-round pick in the 2008 NHL draft. Uh, even if Hossa only stayed for that short amount of time, getting Pascal Dupuis and and getting Dupuis and him for, forging his legacy and forming that chemistry with Sidney Crosby for such a long period of time, uh, that has to be one of the better trade deadline acquisitions, g- considering what they gave up in Armstrong, Christensen, the bust that was Angelo Esposito and the first round pick in 2008. So they get Hosa for that cup of coffee. He doesn't resign, obviously. But you may look at it and think, uh, Dupuis, getting Dupuis from that trade, you could argue it makes it all worth it in the end, considering what he ended up doing here in Pittsburgh. Uh, 2009, the Penguins get Bill Guerin from the New York Islanders for a conditional third-round pick. Uh, Bill Guerin went on to cement a legacy in a very short time in the black and gold with uh, his legendary performance in the 2009 Stanley Cup run. Uh, let me see. What else can I think of? The I mean, if you want to go back to 2015, and I think the Penguins acquired Ian Cole and 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 Ben Lovejoy ahead of their 2015-16 run. I get the, there might be a little bit of recency bias for Jeff Carter because he uh, he ended up scoring the the 11 points in 14 regular season games, and the in the playoffs he ends with six games played. Four goals, one assist for five points in the six games he played in a Pittsburgh sweater. So uh, Carter is certainly probably in the short time that he has been here is probably going to go down as one of the better trade deadline acquisitions for the Penguins. And if he does end up returning to the black and gold for next season, since he does have one year left on his contract, uh, I would be more than welcoming of Jeff Carter coming back and centering the third line as well. Uh, question number three for you, Robbie, also from Commander Kern. Uh, he says, has anyone ever said, hey, there's Pierre Maguire? I love that guy. Not if you're ever on Twitter during game that Pierre Maguire is working. Kind of feel bad for the guy almost at some point because, man, they're, uh, they, Twitter's hard on him. And, I mean, he kind of earns it himself. He's a little bit of a weird, a weird guy. I mean, he's very knowledgeable in the sport of hockey, but he's definitely weird. I don't know what's going to be his situation when everything leaves NBC this after the Stanley Cup final and goes to ESPN and TNT. I'm assuming he's probably going to get a TV gig with uh, one of them. I just think that I mean, he's been around long enough. Uh, people know him. He's familiar. Somebody's going to pay him money uh, to, uh, to do TV stuff. Who it is, I don't know exactly. But um, I don't – if you've ever been on Twitter, there's not much love for – uh, for old Pierre, but remember, Pierre was a Penguins assistant coach in the early '90s and has his name on the cup because of the Penguins. So, better watch what you say. Uh, you don't want to. Uh, you don't want to be too mean. I mean, he was a part of the organization then. So, Pierre does what he does. He's very quirky and unique, and I can see why people get annoyed by him, though. Question four comes from Joey Bag of Donuts. Uh, his question is, and I believe it's hyperbole, is it time to trade Jank Gensel? He might be too small for the playoffs. 
even if it is hyperbole, Robbie, I I made the mistake of going through Penguins Facebook comments after the loss. Oh, geez. After the game six loss. And uh, there are many people I, who I believe seriously are considering doing away with Jake Gensel. And if it is or isn't hyperbole, let me remind you, if you're listening and on the fence about Jake Gensel, he finished with 57 points in 56 games this year with 23 goals, 257 career points in 299 regular season games. Certainly one of Sidney Crosby's best ever line mates. And let me take you back to the the his Stan- Stanley Cup campaign of 2016-17 where he played 25 games, scoring 13 goals, 8 assists for 21 points. And the 2017-18 campaign playing 12 games, scoring 10 goals, 11 assists, and 21 points. He did take a beating in this series. I'm not going to deny that he did. Maybe there is an injury he was playing through, but to seriously suggest trading away Jake Gensel, uh, I do not want to entertain that thought either. Uh, he is definitely one of the untouchables for me when it comes to looking at what the Penguins have in front of them and seeing that you have a forward who's developed in the Penguin system, certainly in his prime at only 26 years old. He is the true definition of a sniper. Yeah, he didn't play his best hockey in this series, but can you honestly tell me who anyone on that first line between Gensel, Crosby, and Rust played their best hockey? I mean, Sidney Crosby probably had one of his worst playoff games in the history of his career in Game 6. So let's 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 cool the jets on a Jake Gensel trade. He, what he offers the penguins in terms of scoring ability is is second to none at this point and he's a perfect complement for Sidney Crosby. Question number 5, oh boy Robbie, I don't want to butcher this name. Oh geez, uh, yeah. Question number 5 comes from Jacob or Jakob Olszewski. Olszewski, I'm going to go with Olszewski. Uh, why do you think in in the big moments like late on the power play or late in the third period that Mike Sullivan doesn't pair uh, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin together. As much as I like Mike Sullivan and don't believe he should be fired, there was definitely some questionable, uh, did just never seem like he was willing to juggle the lines at all to make any kind of changes when things just weren't working when they needed the goals. And it's been a long time, it feels like, since we've seen the two-headed monster on the ice together outside of the power play. Uh, why he doesn't do it, I don't know. Is he just that stuck in his ways? Does he just think that their best options are to keep those lines together? I don't know, but it's a good, it's a really good question because we used to be able to, we used to see Malkin and Crosby late in periods, even maybe the final shift of just the first period or second period. He'd throw them out there for a thirty-second shift just to see if he could get something before the period. But you don't seem that just doesn't seem to be. Uh, the case anymore and yeah age they're not exactly the same as they were even two or three years ago five years ago whatever but it's a very interesting way to look at it because usually when things you aren't working your coach will shuffle the lines a little bit and you'll try to put all your firepower on on that top or on one line but uh, why i didn't do it last night i really can't say Uh, it's a very interesting uh, way to look at it because you would think that in that situation, you want 71 and 87 both on the ice together, but he didn't go that way. And it's a very, that'd be a very interesting question to ask Mike Sullivan if we ever got the opportunity. Question number six comes from Fry Time. Can the Penguins move on from Jari, or is that too quick of a reaction? Does he have any value? 
That's the million-dollar question, I'm sure, heading into this offseason after his playoff performance. Uh, can they move on from him? I'm sure they can. The question is, what are you going to get for him? Because his value has to be at an all-time low after this playoff series. Looking at his career totals, 59 wins, 29 losses, 7 overtime losses, a 266 goals against, 912 save percentage. What what kind of talent are you getting with Tristan Jari at this point? He's 26 years old. Are, are you getting a legitimate number one, or are you getting a, a 1B to a 1A kind of goaltender who really will never be able to carry that kind of full, full-on starter mentality playing 40, 50, 60 games in a season? I I don't know. I, I just don't know, especially after this postseason run. Looking at his contract, uh, he has two more years, 2021-22 season, the 2022-23 season, where uh, his cap hit will be $3.5 million for the next two seasons. So it's not a ridiculously high number to get rid of if you want to. The question is, what are you going to get for him? Matt Murray's trade at the trade deadline last year only fetched a second round pick really. And Matt Murray had some Stanley cups to his name. Tristan Jari does not. So if they do end up trading or buying out Tristan Jari, I can't imagine that the return is going to be something spectacular. You'd really only have to let him go just for him to latch on to another team change of scenery. You know, both of you go your separate ways kind of thing. So, um, I don't think his value is super high, but the option is there if they want to get rid of him. Question number seven comes from Cambria Davis. I honestly think Jari has the physical tools to be the guy. Uh, I think this is all between the ears for him. I think the Pens need a new goalie coach between Matt Murray regressing as hard as he did and Tristan Jari's mental state this series. The evidence is there to let goaltending coach Mike Buckley go. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is something I saw pop up on Twitter as well. And this is now two goaltenders, two young goaltenders that have regressed severely under Mike Buckley as the goaltending coach of the Penguins. So that's definitely something that will have to be closely looked at, closely monitored, whether or not they keep Jari or bring in a new, uh, some fresh faces in, in between the pipes. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on because it is a very alarming trend. These are two young guys. These are, especially Murray, who had the, championship pedigree just kind of fell off a cliff and then jari as well um who we all thought was the next guy last year but um, but as for the tolls i think jari has shown that he has the tolls the especially the physical tolls to be a really good goaltender in this like he was an all-star last season so it's not crazy to think that he doesn't just uh, just suddenly didn't have talent. He just didn't just zap all the talent out of him. But th- mentally, yeah, mentally, and you don't know what these past two games may have done to him mentally as well to make it even worse. So I definitely think Mike Buckley is a fair criticism uh, to look at uh, his employment with the Penguins, especially the history of Murray and Jari and what happened to them. But at the same time, there is responsibility on Jari to work out the the mental aspects to get that fixed if he is to be the guy in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, it, there's, there seems to be too much rumbling for people on Twitter that they don't, especially from people in the know, that they don't think that they can see Tristan Jari being the gold, or at least not the, the clear number one 
for the Penguins next year. I'm not going to say that bringing in a new goaltending coach solves any problems because Jari has to do some work on his own. Uh, He has the talent, the physical talent, to do the job. It's just getting the mental game uh, under wraps. And as for Mike Buckley, completely fair to sit down and review his status as the Penguins goaltending coach after what's happened with Matt Murray and Tristan Jari these last two these last few seasons. Number eight comes from Chris Adams. Would Maxime Legacy have won this series in four games or at most five? So this will this will be the other question that when we look back on this series, we'll often wonder what would Maxime Legacy have done uh, instead of Tristan Jari. And it's 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 a question and it's a criticism that I think can be fairly levied at Mike Sullivan, uh, especially after the performance in uh, in Game Five and in Game Six. He never at once probably went. He, I don't know if he was thinking about it. I can't get inside his head, but he left he left Tristan Jari in there uh, to to live or die. And it, it'll be one of the things that we look back on this season and, and, and wonder the what ifs, but. Looking at Maxime Legacy's career numbers, I mean, this is a goaltender who's only appeared in 18 NHL career games, uh, a win-loss of 7-8-1, and one, a 369 goals against, and an 876 save percentage with no playoff resume to his name. So if, if, if you're Mike Sullivan, do is the thought process to stick with the guy that got you here and who, like you said, Robbie was an all-star last year? Or do you go into the unknown with Legacy? Because that's really what you're, you're getting into the unknown with a goaltender who has those kind of numbers. And I don't think for Mike Sullivan, it was worth the risk to put Legacy in that situation. He wanted to see if his goaltender, his guy, could work out the kinks. Unfortunately, he couldn't. And that might go back to, to Robbie, what you were saying. Uh, and this has certainly been something that had been floated around on social media as well, that Mike Sullivan is too stuck in his ways at times and perhaps too loyal to his own players to his detriment and and wanting to see if Tristan Jari could work out these kinks in his game. Would Maxime Legacy have won this series? If you put Legacy in there, maybe he flames out as quickly as Jari ended up doing in this series. Uh, But, you know, it'll be one of the what ifs we look back on when we when we look back on the 2021 season. Question number nine comes from Yinzersaurus. And they just have three words for you, Robbie. Something, something, Jari. This feels like the Tom Wilson episode where we just vent about Tom Wilson. Everything is about Tom <laughs> Wilson. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's all going to come. It all comes back to Jari. And that's going to be one of the things we look at uh, years from now when we think about the what ifs of the Crosby Malkin era. I mean, what if the Penguins get a decent goaltending against the Islanders that year? Well, what if they get decent goaltending here, there, everywhere? And, it's, um, I mean, it's one of those, I mean, it's a lot easier to kind of just gloss over it and kind of just put it aside because I, they've won three cups during this era. And that, well, and I, that can get lost in the shuffle in the immediate, uh, in the immediate reaction, all the feelings are going and it's, it is frustrating still because you know, these chances are running out and you'd love to see one more cup with this core and it just feels like a wasted opportunity. But it, they've won three. It's been a heck of a ride. And it's it's been fun. And But I think they're going to have at least another shot next year, uh, assuming nothing crazy happens in terms of roster, roster changeover. So, I mean, I mean, it's not over 
yet. But yeah, it does suck, especially when the problem is so identifiable, like the goaltending. Question number 10. Again, Commander Kern uh, jumps in. The Pens were the best they've been in three years, easily. It's so disappointing to be out already, especially to the Islanders. It's really nothing but pain this time. Jari did hurt us, but Gino looks lost out there. I'm sorry, I'd rather he'd have stayed out. If uh, Gino does stay out, if Malkin stays out of the series and they roll with Car- Crosby, Carter, Crosby, Carter, Bluger, and, uh, you know, if they roll with that lineup, would the series have changed? Would would the Penguins have been better if they would have gotten the same goaltending from Jari? Probably not. We probably still they'd probably still be eliminated. Evgeny Malkin was clearly playing in pain. He clearly was not one hundred percent. But in the four games, or in the yeah, in the four games he ended up playing, he registered a goal and four assists for five points. You know he and he, it was a one the one goal was a power play goal. He had three power play points. So. This goes back to the mindset that I've always held is that even an injured Evgeny Malkin at 70 or 80% is better than no Evgeny Malkin because it forces a coach like Barry Trotz to not load up all of his big guns on the first line to try and cancel out Sidney Crosby. Evgeny Malkin's presence alone out there changes the dynamic of the game because Trotz and other opposite, uh, opposing coaches can't just load up and try and take out the, 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 the top forward line and the top defensive pairs. And if Malkin were to just go out there and just rip one-timers on the power play. And that was the one thing I was talking with my dad about throughout this entirety, the, the entire series, was if he, even if he can't skate, put him out there on the power play and just let him rip one-timers and hope that hope that you get a couple of uh, signature Evgeny Malkin bombs from the point. So, and, and that's he ended up getting a, a power play, a power play goal, and a couple of power play points. So, should Malkin have stayed out? to to uh you know hold off on further injuring himself you know maybe but Malkin is incredibly prideful I know he wanted to be out there and uh it's one of the reasons why I firmly believe he'll be back next year because he wants to stay with this team he wants to stay with Crosby he he's determined as ever both he and Crosby are both determined as ever to win another championship so should he have stayed out I I don't think so but at the end of the day the Penguins are out of the playoffs anyway, so it is what it is. Question number 11 for you, Robbie. The last question comes from Ian Colt. The inability to hold on to a lead uh, got us what we deserved. And he goes dot, 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 nothing. Not enough out of the big names turned up over the six games played. Too many minutes in the box and a failure to address the issues with Tristan Jari's glove side and general keeping. Uh, and I believe he classified this as average in his opinion. Yeah, the leads are obviously a very big thing to point out. Um, they blew, oh boy, third third period leads in game one. Game three, they blew some, but they ended up winning. Game, well, not four, but five, they blew. And then they blew three separate leads in game, uh, game, five, or game six before the Islanders took over. But, again, some of that is on goaltending, though, as well. I mean, sometimes you just need to save. That's really all you need. You just need to save. That's all That's that's all you need. The Penguins were dominant in Game 5 and Game 6, in the, but they just couldn't get that save. Malkin didn't play until Game 3. He, Malkin, I think Malkin actually played pretty good in the series. He was clearly hobbled. Wasn't his best skating performance, but he went out there and gave it his all. But... The top line needed to be better, and they weren't, and that's something we can look back on as well. 
in the in the in the coming weeks or months or whatever about how this all didn't come to fruition and i mean crosby knows he wasn't good enough gensel knows he wasn't good enough russ knows he wasn't good enough but that's a part of uh, a, a part of the game i mean credit to the islanders for putting the clamps on them guys but also credit to the penguins depth for stepping up when they needed to jason zucker jeff carter uh, brandon Tanev, those guys did have good series uh Kasperi happened at a goal uh, but as for the leads you need to you, you you gotta find a way to get a save and the penguins weren't giving up a ton of shots or a ton of high danger chances and that's really i mean that's what they did last night game six wasn't great uh average i, I don't think that i think the team was very good i think it's a very good penguins hockey team uh, they've accomplished a lot this season there's nothing uh, necessarily to be ashamed of this is a team that many of us didn't pick to even make the playoffs, or if they were, maybe just sneaking in and getting um, getting a four seed. So overall, I, I think it was a successful season in some ways, obviously a letdown in others. When you're a team like the Penguins, it's usually cup or bust, but there's also, you have to be somewhat realistic in, in that. And the Penguins, I mean, they won the East Division, a very hard division, and they did it with resiliency and as a whole team. So uh, they deserve credit for that. As bitter as this is, uh, it's definitely something to hold on to and take a positive way and know that uh, even though they did fall in this first round, they're still, the window's still open. And I look forward to seeing what they do this offseason to keep that window open for at least another season. Yeah, Robbie, to put a bow on this episode of the podcast, uh, cup or bust mentality clouds a lot of fans clouds their judgment clouds their thought process because i was one of those people at the beginning of this season who thought the penguins were going to be on the outside looking in i I at the time i didn't peg them to be play really serious playoff contenders based on how this division was formed and they end up winning the division in the end probably the nhl's hardest division now at the same time, I know division wins don't mean anything. And when you have t- talent like Crosby and Malkin and Latang, oftentimes it is Stanley Cup or bust. But you said it yourself, Robbie, last week or the week before that, you know, sports is like 95% disappointment. And you watch because of you're, you're hoping that each season in and out, you support the team, but you also are hopeful that, you know, you maybe get to experience that 5% of the elation that comes with a deep Stanley Cup playoff run and uh, hopefully, in the Penguins' case, lifting another Stanley Cup for Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. And uh, I think it's important to remember, again, I'll bring it up because I know I brought it up last week or two weeks ago, that we have been an incredibly spoiled fan base over the last 35 to 40 years uh, to witness what we have witnessed. The, the Penguins are, in my opinion, the the greatest team in the salary cap era so far for what they have accomplished and how they've gone about it, constantly trying to restock the shelves and, and make a competitive team around Crosby and Malkin. And with the championships coming in 2009, 2016, and 2017, there are 31 other franchises who would kill to be in the position that the Penguins have been in over the last 15 years and really over the last 35 to 40 years. So 
while this is disappointing, uh, this is certainly not the end that any of us envisioned. It's important to, you know, take it with some sort of perspective and, and just sit back and, and think about all the fun times that we've experienced. Yeah. You could say that the, the Stanley cup winning team of six, 2016 and 2017, that's in the rear view mirror. Now uh, it, it's a distant memory but you can't win the Stanley Cup every year, even with the players that the Penguins have on their roster. So take the good with the bad, take the bad with the good, and you just have to move forward as a fan. And that's what I'm going to do, Robbie. I know that's what you're going to do. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Pensburg Podcast. This will be, like I said before, this will be the last episode of this regular season. Uh, we will return later this summer, uh, probably around the time of the expansion draft slash prospect draft slash free agency period. And we will certainly uh, bring you all the latest news and notes from the Penguins as that we head into the summer months. Uh, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to Robbie. You came in er at the early part of the season and the podcast went under a couple of different lineup changes and you've stuck it out. I appreciate you coming on uh, when uh, I asked you for help earlier in the season, coming on and, and being uh, really a fantastic co-host with me, uh, going back and forth and, and talking about the Penguins over the season. Uh, I'd like to thank all of the listeners who have downloaded this podcast over the course of this season and have come to us for their their weekly dose of Penguins podcast material. I, I'd like to thank everyone who took even a second to download, review, share, do anything that is related to the Pensburg podcast. I'd like to thank everybody. So, uh, Robbie, I'll ask you uh, if you have anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here. Yeah, thanks to everyone uh, for welcoming me uh, here as the host. I know it was a kind of uh, spur-of-the-moment kind of addition, but I've thoroughly enjoyed all the episodes I've done, I was kind of going back and looking at um, when I started. And I think my first one is back uh, near the end of March. So it's been almost two months now. Uh, I've had a great time. I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm sad that it's at least we're going on hiatus so soon. I was hoping for at least into June and uh, cross fingers that we we're going into July. But unfortunately, that won't be the case. But I look forward to. Um, seeing what the Penguins do this offseason. Of course, if anything nuclear happens, I think Garrett and I will be around to discuss that in uh, spur of the moment if that happens. But if not, I look forward to seeing you guys or talking to you guys in July, which I believe is when the expansion, free agency, NHL entry draft, hoopla is all set to um, go underway. I don't know what exactly the timeline is for the cup final to end, but um, so I do look forward to being back then and uh, being back for a full season in in the fall. Yep, can't wait for uh, can't wait for free agency to kick off in the draft and the expansion draft. As one door closes, another one opens. The NHL never sleeps, and the same can be true for the Penguins as we head into another off season. That is filled with questions that we hope to get answers to. And uh, so stay tuned to Pensburg.com for all of the latest coverage regarding the Penguins as we now head into the offseason. Uh, again, thank you to all the listeners and thank you to Robbie for joining me for the podcast this season. So uh, for Robbie, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening over the course of this crazy COVID season. 
And we will catch you on the Pensburg podcast next time.